what we're talking about today is something that's really scary. Uh, most people don't like it. I don't like it. It's weird. Um, it's something that people avoid, and in today's society, we really avoid it because it can, it can bring up some past things. I don't know if you guys have been tracking along with me on social media or if you've been following the church. We, um, we're starting this two-week series, um, and if you could put up that slide called The Power of Vulnerability, The Humble Power of Vulnerability. That's a title for the next two weeks is The Humble Power of Vulnerability. Um, Tosh, I was inspired by um, this uh, Netflix thing by a doctor. She's talking about vulnerability and what it brings, and she wrote a book about it. And so she talks about it on a social perspective, but I believe that we need to talk about it on a spiritual perspective, right? Why there's power in vulnerability. And, and let me, before we get started, it's Father's Day. Like, it's Father's Day. I know some of us have grown up with fathers who weren't there. I know some of us who've grown up with fathers who, who were there. And there's different feelings on Father's Day. Some of you guys are like, well, my dad was never there. Or some of you guys, my dad was there. And so there's different emotions. I want to pray over the men in here because there's an attack on fatherhood. I don't know if you've noticed that, but a lot of, a lot of fathers aren't showing up. I was blessed to have my father in the household. See, my father was in my home, but he wasn't a father growing up. He was there but he didn't know how to be a father, you know? And so you have to understand that your father is the imperfected view of our heavenly father, amen? He's the imperfect version of him. And so I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what your relationship is like with your father, but for the men in here, I just wanna pray for you. Lord, we pray against any attack of these future fathers, Lord. We pray against it in the name of Jesus. Lord God, whatever man, whatever father you call them to be, we rebuke the plans of the enemy, and they will be active fathers, and they will be in their children's lives, Lord God. Whatever the situation, Lord God, you will work it out for your good. In the name of Jesus, this fatherless generation will end. This fatherless generation will end in the name of Jesus. Even if they cannot have children, Lord God, they will father a, a young man who, who didn't know his father. They will be a father figure in someone's life. So, Lord God, we thank you. And all the men say, yeah. and then all the ladies say, yeah. right? I'm tired of, this, tired of this, like, oh, my daddy wasn't there, you know? It's, it's hard, it's hard, and it's, you know, by situation or circumstance. But I believe that the heart of God is like, yo, let's get rid of this fatherless stuff, you know? So even if you don't have kids, and right now you're like, I don't plan on having kids, that's okay. There are kids in this world who are needing and desiring for a man to step in and just tell them that they're enough. There are kids in the school who walk the streets who are like, I just need a man to tell me that I'm worth it. I just need a man to tell me that, that he's going to be there for me. I just need someone to care that I have a basketball game. And that could be you. You know, there's like organizations like Big Brother, Big Sister. I'm sure that public schools would love to have a manly figure in their school just be representing for men all around, you know, because sometimes it's rough. But listen, guys, be there. I pray that you're there for your kids, and I know you'll be there for your kids. Amen? I just have to get that off my heart. But my dad, yeah, growing up, my dad didn't know how to be um, a good father until we were older, you know, my mom and dad have been married for like 35 years. Amen, right? <laughs> Lord, because we know marriages don't make it nowadays, but they've been married for 35 years, and for all 35 years, my mom has been praying for his salvation. And so something changed in him. There was a switch in him, and where when we were growing up, that he just, this 
something happened in him where he became a better father. And maybe God just gave me insight into him and how he was as a man because he didn't have a father either. So it was like the blind leading the blind. But uh, since he's been married, well, he's been married to my mom for that long, I believe that God breaks generational curses, amen? That you know, you may not know your father, but your child will know you, right? Amen? Because they will know that my daddy is there. And guess what? My daddy is not perfect, but he he looks like my father in heaven, amen? That's why it's so hard for people to come into into the church. It's like, how can I, ooh, and I didn't even plan for this, but thank you, Holy Spirit. How can I believe in a God that I can't even see? How can I trust in a God that I can't even see, and yet the guy I can see who's supposed to be there is not even there for me? That's why people have a breakdown with coming into the church, because they're like, my father who's on earth, who I can see, he's not even there. So how am I supposed to trust my father in heaven? That's why there's an attack on fatherhood. That's why the enemy wants to attack fatherhood. Because he's like, if I could take away what the example of a father should be, maybe I could take away them believing and trusting in their good, good father, in their perfect father. But that breaks in the name of Jesus. That breaks in the name of Jesus. Like, you know, thank God that he saved me and he redeemed me. And I grew up in a household where Christ was constantly preached because my children are not going to grow up without a father. To God be the glory that they're going to be secure in who they are. They're going to be strong women of God. And that's what, because that's all I have right now is girls, y'all. That's all I got. That's all I got. And so um, that's all I'm blessed with. And so they're going to be strong women of God. And I want to tell you young men and and even older men the same thing. Um, Be the example. Be the example. You know, my father, he didn't do too well growing up, but now we have a great relationship. And I'm like, I want to be the man that God is making him to be. It's beautiful, amen. Listen, he didn't call you to be perfect. He just called you to be available. He just called you to be willing. I'm sorry for that little tangent, but that's a part of today's sermon. It's just, you know, the humble power of vulnerability. See, I realize that um, what she says, what vulnerability is, it says, she says that vulnerability is uncertainty and risk, emotional exposure. Who here believes it's hard to be vulnerable? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, right? Why is it so hard to be vulnerable? Why is it so difficult? And I, and I believe it's because we were told growing up, especially men right now, because father, we were told, man up. Men don't cry. And that's plagued our entire society. Be strong. Don't show emotion. Don't be vulnerable. And so what we've done is that we, each and every one of us, when we wake up in the morning, we put on this armor, we put on this stuff, and it's like, I'm going to protect myself from every single person. And any person that tries to get close or tries to get close to who I am, I'm going to set them and remind them that you are over there and I am over here. It's so hard to be vulnerable. It's so difficult because we equate vulnerability with weakness. Right? How many of us have done that? We're just like, wow, I'm just going to be vulnerable right now. And we feel like that's our weakest moment. But that's a lie because the moment that we become vulnerable, the moment that we say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I've went through. This is my journey. Look at my scars. We have power. There's power in that. I realize that you can't be arrogant and vulnerable. You can't be like, yeah, I have daddy issues. Like, that doesn't even sound right. It's just like, okay, cool. Like, okay. There's a humility in vulnerability. She says that at the place of vulnerability, when when there is vulnerability, it's a birthplace for love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, creativity. It can create hope, empathy, authenticity, and accountability. 
For the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about vulner vulnerability in two, in two ways. But the question that I have for today that all of us can ask ourselves is that why is it so hard to be vulnerable with God? Anyone ever find that in their own prayer life? Right? And you're like, no, I'm, I'm vulnerable with God. Are you? Are you? I know I'm not vulnerable with God all the time. I'm not. And it's not because I've been, you know, it's not because, like, God did something. It's, it's just there are moments in, in, in my life where I couldn't be vulnerable with my dad, and so I placed that on God. And that he knows everything. And to, to really understand where it comes from, we're going to, we can turn to Genesis. I don't have Genesis in there, Seth. I'm just going to read it to everyone. And does everyone remember the fall of man, right? Adam and Eve ate the fruit, right? Everyone knows the story? Okay, okay. I'm not getting any, like, oh, yeah, you know, pastor, all right. Listen, welcome to Pioneer. I forgot to say this in the beginning. At Pioneer Church, we do two things. All right, if you're tracking along with me and you like something, you can say amen, amen, right? And that's old school, amen, amen, brother. Preach that word. Or we do yee-yee. That's the young way of saying amen, like yee-yee, pastor, uh-huh, uh-huh, you're hitting that, yeah, you know? And so we do, we do it two separate ways, like just because you're not, you can't say amen, that's cool, we don't, we don't have to say that, but if you go yee-yee, because I believe that God knows what that means to you. And so it says, I don't even have to read it, but it says in Genesis that after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they noticed each other. They saw each other and they were like, oh my God, like, huh, my little st my stuff is out. You know what I mean? And they were there and, and they were, after they ate the fruit, after they tasted from the tree of good and, and good and evil, they noticed each other naked and it was like, oh wow, I'm naked. Let me, let me hide myself, right? Everyone remembers that. It says as Jesus walking in the garden in the cool of the day, he said, first question he asked, Adam, where are you? God of all creation in the entire universe would ask Adam where he is. He's asking the question. Have you ever noticed that when God asks questions, we always have answers? That's so weird. God always has questions and we're like, okay, God, I know the answer to that one. He goes, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, I was naked, and so I hid. And so from the moment that Adam ate of the fruit, from the moment that Adam ate of that and his eyes were opened, that was the moment that vulnerability became clouded. That was the moment of man where we could no longer be undone before God, holy and pure, because now we had this knowledge of good and evil. We, it clouded our vulnerability with God. It, it said God couldn't be in our presence anymore, and we couldn't be in the presence of God. He said, I was naked, and so I hid. And what does he do? Adam, what have you done? And he goes, the first thing he does is blame Eve. Well, I was out naming stuff like you told me. And Eve's supposed to be making, you know, the pear chicken salad. I don't know why she goes, you know. He blamed Eve. It's, it's her fault. 
And I think that's what we do when we become, when we're not vulnerable, when we're not open with God, we begin to blame everything else in our lives and say, well, the reason why I'm struggling with this is because it's their fault or it's this fault. And it's never us. It's never looking at us because we get so defensive, right, with God. Well, God, I wouldn't be here if you didn't put me in this situation. You're the one who made me lose my job. No, your attendance is the reason why you lost your job. You know what I mean? And so we always want to blame God and say, God, it's your fault. And God, it's, I can't do this. And so when we do that, that vulnerability, that connection, you know, we begin to lose it because we want to hide from God. What I love is that if we look at the life of King David, because we begin to see vulnerability all throughout the Bible, right? Instead of saying, you know, instead of going to God and saying, I messed up, I'm sorry, we're just like, I'm just not going to talk about it, <laughs> right? That's one way we do things, right? Who, who does that? Who's a hider, right? I'm a hider sometimes. It's just like I do something wrong or we mess up and we're like, I don't want to talk about it. But I know, I know you messed up. I don't want to talk about it. And that's the thing. Like if we got in this mindset that, God, I know you know everything. And it's just like, well, if God knows everything, if he knows my next thought, if he knows who I am, and he knows I already did it, why do I have to tell him? It's the same reason why he asked Adam where he was. You see, him asking Adam where he was is not because he wanted Adam to find him. He wanted Adam to find himself. It's not that he is like God of the entire universe. At that one moment, he was just like, oh, I don't know where Adam is. He fell off the radar. No, he asked Adam where he was because he wanted Adam to know where you, Adam, where are you in yourself? Who are you? And God asks us the same question sometimes. Jeremy, where are you? Tasha, where are you? Where are you? Because God is asking us that same question to this day. Whenever you run and hide and whenever we're ashamed of our sin, he goes, where are you? And I want to tell you today that God sent Jesus to, bring, to, to build that bond so that he no longer has to say, where are you? That we can come before and say, God, I'm so sorry. I messed up. And he goes, I love you. I see you again. You, you're not lost. You're not in a fog. I see you. I've always known where you have been. He's not a dad that's going to run away from difficult situations. See, at a place of vulnerability, at a place of humility, we can go before God and say, God, I, I've messed up. I'm sorry. I've said this. I've done this. Uh, I thought this. I acted out this way. I acted lower than what you've called me to. And I'm sorry. And at that point of vulnerability, God looks at us and he goes, it's okay. My son's, my son's blood covered that. But God, I don't feel like I'm good enough. My son's blood covered that. You are more than enough. But God, like that sin, it says in the word, I know what the word says, and I know that. But once you humble yourself and ask for forgiveness, I can restore you to greater. God is here to restore you to greater. You see, vulnerability isn't a point of weakness. Vulnerability is a point where we get to pop the devil in the mouth and say, what up? I know I did wrong, but my God is good that he's healed me and he's made me new. I know you're going to bring up my old past. I know you're going to bring up my junk, but let me be vulnerable before God and say, God, here are my sins. I'm not proud of it, but this is what they are. And God goes, I'm faithful to forgive and restore. Amen. Are y'all with me? Listen, I need some, yeah, I need some fire from y'all this morning because I'm sweating because the Holy Spirit's here, but uh, you, might, you might be sweating for other reasons. Um, let's go to Psalm 13 because I want to look at the life. I want to look at David right now. 
Because we need to see in the Bible that David has several points in Scripture where he's calling out to God and where there's points of vulnerability. And he's the king, and he goes, How, I'll read it for me. It says, I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? Keep on going. How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured this shaking of my soul. So how much longer will my enemy have the upper, upper hand? It's been long enough. Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness or I will sleep the sleep of death. Don't let my enemy proclaim I prevailed over him for all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Lord, I've always trusted in your kindness, so answer me. I will, I will yet celebrate with your passion and joy and when your salvation lifts me up. I will sing my song to, of joy to you, the Most High, for in all of this you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say that I have no Savior, but I know that I have one in you. See that point of vulnerability? Do you see that? See the very thing the world tells us to hide? David says, God, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. My enemies are gloating over me. There's darkness all around me. I feel like I failed. God, I feel like I'm being persecuted because this is when he was being persecuted by Saul. God, help me. Like, I'm broken. And then there's, then there's this word in the Old Testament that Isaiah 6, 5 uses. And he goes, I am undone before you. I am undone. And what it means to be undone, and the definition is to be stripped down to nothingness. God, I am undone before you. How much longer will you go through pain? How much longer will we go through our sin? How much longer will we go through shame and guilt? And David is saying, God, I am broken before you. God is waiting for each and every one of us to get to that point where we just kneel before God and say, God, I'm broken before you. I don't know what my future holds. I don't know what my job holds. I don't know what my relationships hold. I want a husband so bad. I want a wife so bad. I want to be married and I feel rejected and I feel lost. God, I'm just being vulnerable right now. Will you hear me? Because the world tends to hide that. Don't, don't let anyone see that. Why? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you let people? You're going to be vulnerable before God? Didn't God not let you get that promotion? You see how it works? That's how the enemy works. He's so stupid. He's like, wasn't it God who, who the reason why you broke up with your boyfriend? Wasn't it God? And some of us believe that. We believe that God has things for our disaster. He says, no, I have things for your good. Before the earth and the planets was formed, I knew every step that you would take. I knew every breath that you would breathe. I knew you would break up with this person at this time. I knew you'd be walking through these situations. And guess what? At no time did I ever plan to walk away because I planned on carrying you through it. Yeah, y'all can clap for that. The humble power of vulnerability, because when we go before God, it says to, it says to go after his throne humbly yet boldly we're able to go before his throne because of Jesus because of Jesus we can go before his throne and say God I'm messed up see what sin says is like oh I can't tell my dad 
I can't tell my dad I messed up. He's going to get really angry. Who here's had parents like that, right? Where you're scared, growing up, you were scared to tell your father anything because you're scared of their reaction. That was me at certain times because my dad's a very scary dude. His face looked like it was chiseled out of stone because he, like, I don't even know if he smiles sometimes. Like, the only time I think I saw him smile was with my two daughters. Other than that, I was just like, mm-hmm. See, you have to understand on this Father's Day that God is not coming to spank you. If you go to God and say, God, I am so sorry. This is, this is who I am or this is what I'm going through. He's not looking to get angry with you. And guess what? He doesn't live in time, so he's got all the time for you. He doesn't exist in time, so nothing's halting him. He can't be like, oh, you've got to wrap it up. I've got a 2.15 coming. No, 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 no. He's like, I've got all day. And then after that, I've got all of eternity. And so David goes before him. He says, how long, God? How long? I'm being vulnerable with you right now. How long? That's even, that's warm water. How long will, I, will my enemies taunt me? How long will they come after me? God, I need you. I need you more than ever. See, at that point, he was letting down his guard. He was letting down his armor. He was putting it down. He was just saying, God, you know, for some of y'all, it's like, let your hair down before God. Let your hair down, girl. If, you got a, if you're a guy, you got long hair, let your hair down before God. He's not embarrassed by you. He's not ashamed of you. He didn't have a plan for you to become this NFL athlete. If you worked at Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, he's like, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. He's looking at you. He's saying, I'm so proud of you. I know you have a job that you're not proud of, but I'm proud of you because you're sticking with it. You're staying in the game, and you've been given every day to me. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep pushing. I'm with you. I'm your daddy. And guess what? I'm going to open up every promotion for you. Don't push on your own. Let me get them promotions for you because you're going to look back at this moment and be like, look what the Lord has done. Amen. I was just a cashier, and now I'm a manager. Hey, you know? <laughs> We're going to go to Psalms 51, well, Psalms 37, excuse me. If you're with me, say amen. amen. There you go. And he says, in Psalm 37, because David goes through a lot of emotions, right? Who here goes through a lot of emotions? Right, 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 right. We battle with emotions. Emotions are the worst thing sometimes. But don't say emotions are from the devil. Emotions are not from the devil, all right? We serve a God who has emotions, right? Because in the Bible, we see where God was angry, where he was pleased, where he was satisfied. And guess what? Emotions are from God. So your emotions are not evil. It's how you control your emotions. And how you look at yourself and be like, am I overreacting right now? I feel like I'm overreacting. You know, you, some of y'all know you're overreacting. Because you'll feel it in your heart. You'll be like, I think I'm doing the most right now. <laughs> you know what? Oh, I just need to go eat something. Because some of us, we just be getting hangry, right? I get it. I get it. My wife gets hangry. I don't get hangry. I just get quiet when I'm hungry. Because I'm just like, I'm focusing on the meal. Jesus, don't let me say anything out of line until I get that burger in my mouth, Lord. Hallelujah. Or for you, like, people on a diet until you get that salad. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> What I love is Psalm 37, 4 to 14. Now, this is, this is David in his happiness, right? Because I, I realize, like, when we get vulnerable, we always talk about the sad things or the hard things. But this is David being vulnerable in a happy time, um, starting at verse 4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he will do this. 
Sorry, I'm going to read it from here. It says, he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked scheming. So your coworker who's trying to come against you and they're being wicked, don't worry. Their time is coming. You just keep your head down and keep praying for them. God, I'm going to keep on loving them. I'm going to keep on praying for them. Lord God, you know I want to punch them in the throat. But Lord Jesus, you've redeemed me. So guess what? I'm just going to throw this paper ball at their head and let them know I love them, Lord God. It says they're scheming. They're scheming. They're wicked ways. They're scheming. And it says, verse 8, refrain from anger and turn from your wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. In verse 10, it says, A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. I want to hang out right there because I remember, used to, I remember back in the day I used to read meek, and I'm like, what does meek mean? Like, I know, like, I don't know what meek meant. And, like, the only thing I know about meek was, like, meek mill. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, that's all I know. But meek, I realize, is having it but not flexing on Instagram, right? Like, have your nice stuff, have your big TV, have your beautiful house because they're all blessings from God within reason. But you got to understand meekness means having it but not flexing. And some people are like, Pastor, what is flexing? That means not showing off. Everything that God blesses you with does not have to go on social media. See, it's vulnerable being able to be like, I got it, but I ain't got to show you I got it. When you see it, you see it. You know what I mean? There's some people, we all know some people, anything that they get in their life is on social media within the next five minutes. Like, I got this new car. It's like, yeah, you also got new debt. Hallelujah. Um, So don't don't get caught up in the trap of flexing. You know, don't get caught up in the trap of like, everything I got, I got to show off, because you don't. That's meekness. It's being able to have it and being like, this is all for me. I don't got to show nobody because ain't nobody else paid for it. I don't got to show nobody because ain't nobody else blessed me with, with Jesus. So God, I give this back to you. Thank you. Amen? It says, verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. The wicked will draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those ways who are upright. But their swords will not pierce their own hearts and their bows will not will be broken. That's David just, you know, he's raising his own hallelujah. He's like, thank you, God, that you've rescued me. Thank you, Lord God, that the ways of the wicked aren't going to come over me. You have to know today that being vulnerable isn't weak. The ways of the wicked will not overcome you because you need to be vulnerable and being happy too. You ever have some people in your life, you try to be vulnerable and you're like, I'm really excited about this. Like, oh my God, girl, like, mm-hmm, we're going on a date. You know, we just get really excited. And you try to share that, and either they do one of these two things, they'll be like, oh, well, you got a date? Well, I got a date with this person, too. It's story toppers, and you're like, no, you don't. You, you won't be home. <laughs> I asked you what you were doing. You said nothing. So they either try to top your story, or they're like, you're so excited, and you're sharing with them how excited you are, and they don't share in that excitement. Anyone have those friends who don't share in their excitement sometimes? And you're like... Why are you so ugly? Ugh. You know? Like, my friends who share my excitement, those are the people that I'm vulnerable with. Hey, man, look at what God is doing in this church. Hey, Ava made this joke. Hey, and this is what I love about my daughter, Ava, 
Uh, not Izzy yet. I love her, but she, you know, she's just eating and sleeping. That's what she's doing right now. She's eight weeks, seven, eight weeks. And so Ava, what I love is that like we will turn on a song in the house. Like that Raise a Hallelujah, like that's one of her favorite songs. Or it's the Disney hot dog song. So for those who aren't fathers, it's an annoying song, all right? <laughs> I will let you know now. It's a very annoying song. But when that song comes on, she starts dancing. And she will be dancing by herself, and she doesn't even care. What, what I love now is that she'll be dancing, and she'll invite other people to come dance. Daddy, come dance. Daddy don't want to dance. Daddy, come dance. Daddy don't want to dance. Daddy, come dance. So daddy gets up and dance. <laughs> Mommy gets up and dances too. See, and I've learned so much from that because you got to know that when God is blessing you in your life and he's bringing joy your way and he's making you prosper, sometimes you need to get up and dance by yourself. You don't need anybody else to dance with you, but you need to dance and praise God by yourself. See, that's being vulnerable. That's saying, God, I don't need them to dance with me. I know they came with me all this way, but I'm going to dance by myself. I know right now they may be jealous of me. I'm going to dance right in front of their face. I don't even care because, God, you've been good to me. You've turned my sorrow into, you turned my mourning into praise. You turn my, my weakness into joy. So I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance like David dance. I'm going to bust out that two-step. Ah, you know, and I don't even care. Because there are sometimes, family, that we need to be vulnerable in our happiness. Not only in our sorrow, but our happiness. We need, we, need, we need to be able to go before God and say, God, I just thank you for this season of joy. See, you have to understand that happiness don't, doesn't only come with get, getting something. It comes with God keeping you from something. Amen? Like when you break up with that boyfriend you know you should have broke up with a long time ago, you're just like, you know what, you gone. And God, thank you. I don't got to talk to them no more because I know what you have for me is better. Amen? Or God, you know what? I wanted that promotion so bad, but I see the guy who got the promotion, and I see he's stressed out. I see he's not even happy with his own life. He drinks three cups of coffee before 10 a.m. So, Lord God, thank you for my position right now. Thank you for what I get paid right now, because look at that guy stressed out. He had a full head of hair when he started. <laughs> so how do we get vulnerable in our happiness? How do we thank God in our happiness and say, God, thank you? Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for keeping me going. Thank you for lifting me up when I thought I was going to fail. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be vulnerable with you right now, God. God, I don't know how this came into my life. I know it was by your good hands, Lord. And so I'm just going to be vulnerable. And I just say thank you. See, vulnerability isn't only in sorrow. It's not only when it's brokenness. Vulnerability also is in happiness and in joy. When you got no one to tell. You ever find out sometimes when you get good news, all the people that you call don't answer at that time? You're like, what the heck, man? <laughs> like you call them, no one answers. You call them, no one answers. You call them, no one answers. And in those moments when I call those people because I want to share the good news with them, God is like, ahem. I'm like, God, you're right. I don't got to share with none of them. Thank you because you provided it. Your hand is so good. Your hand is so mighty. And you never stop blessing me. Even if they don't pick up, that's okay. Their bills, they probably ain't paid. But Lord God, thank you, Lord God. I don't need a, a bill for prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Being faithful in that happiness. And I want to read one more, Psalms 51. And this would be out of the, the Passion Translation. So I'm going to read it off the screen. And this is David again in Psalms 51. Oh, it's not up there yet? No worries. I'm going to read it in the NIV. You'll see the passion. Oh, okay, there it is. It says, God, give me the mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. So this is when David fell short with Bathsheba, right? Everyone knows about Bathsheba. David was chilling in the palace, walking around when he shouldn't have been, and Bathsheba was taking a shower, and David was like, 
Uh-huh. Because he saw her from his roof, and he, felt, he, he had his friend killed, and, um, and it was a mess, and Nathan came to him. So this is, this is David in a point of, again, another vulnerability of falling short, another vulnerability of, of living less under God's will. He says, God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. See, we have to understand, I want to tell you guys today that the Bible wasn't only meant to be read through, the Bible was meant to be prayed through, amen? There are certain moments in the Bible where you just got to pray through it and remind, not that God forgotten, but remind God of his promises. So as you guys go back into your word, there are times you have to be like, God, give me mercy for your fountains of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away the shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my, for the, the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase this deep stain on my conscience. For I am ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you, Lord. Everything I did, I did right in front of you, for you saw it all. And I want to hang out right there. It says, everything I did, I did right in front of you, for you saw it all. In your mistakes, in your slip-ups, you have to know that God sees it all. And he's not waiting He's not, it's not that he doesn't know that you messed up. He's just waiting for you to confess and say, God, I messed up. Because I realize in our own lives, it's one thing to catch a friend in a mess up or when they lie to you or when they backstab you. It's another thing when they come up to you and they're like, hey, man, I said this and I'm sorry. Right? Isn't the emotion different? Don't you approach them differently? It's just like, if, if you were to find out, you're like, uh, uh, what's up? All big-chested, oh, so I heard you was talking about me, da 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 And then you subtweet on Facebook, man, I hate when people da 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 It's just like, but when they come to you, it's something different when they come to you and say, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I said this, I did this, I didn't mean for it to sound that way, my bad. Then you're like, oh, well, you know, I forgive you. How do we work on in the point of confession, in the point when you're confessing your sins before God, God, God is not there with his almighty paddle or belt waiting to get you. Confession, yes, it's to, to say, God, this is where I messed up, but it's more for you than anything. It's more to wash away that guilt and say, God, I messed up and I just need your forgiveness. And I love that David says, you saw it all. Against you and above all, I have sinned. Everything you say to me is infallibly true, and your judgment conquers me. That's why Jesus is so great, because God's wrath didn't flow over us, but his love and mercy flowed over us that subsided God's wrath, that he's able to look at us and with, with humility and mercy and grace and say, I love you. I love you. Keep going. It says, Lord, I have been a sinner from birth from the moment my mother conceived me. I know that you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit. So come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I'm pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. You see, you got to understand that David's praying, right? But sometimes it knocks us down. But David's starting to fight back. He's starting, even in his words, he's starting to be like, God, I know that you're good. Because some of us, 
we sin and we mess up and we stay in that sunken place, but you got to remind yourself, it says, I know your joy will return. I know you love me. I know I messed up and I fell short, but I know you're a good father and that you're here for me and I can be vulnerable before you. I ain't going to stay here no more because you didn't call me to that place. You said above and beyond. You said that you called me to succeed. You said I'm the head and not the tail, so I'm going to keep on fighting. I'm going to keep on praising God. I won't let this shame and guilt hold me down. Some of you guys have been carrying this shame and guilt for so long, and God is like, if you would only be vulnerable with me, I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to break that addiction. I'm going to teach you not to go for alcohol when you're broken. I'm going to teach you how to not look at stuff on the internet when you're by yourself. I'm going to teach you. You just got to get up and fight, and I'm going to fight with you. He says it right there. The places within me you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. Keep going. It says, hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. May you never reject me. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. Keep going. Let my passions for your life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I, will, I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you knowing that you will forgive them. Hang out right there. Go back because that's what I want to highlight. You see, in his point of vulnerability, in his point of brokenness where he sinned and he fell short and had his own friend die and cheated with his wife and had a kid there, it says, then I can show other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you knowing that you will forgive them. See, that's the whole point of vulnerability is because you want to show other people who are not vulnerable like, listen, when I get vulnerable before God, I'm showing them how merciful you've been to me. And they were going to find their way back home in you Amen. when I'm vulnerable, yeah. when I take down my armor. God, I know I want to be vulnerable before you because there's someone in this world who needs me to be vulnerable with them. And so God, show me the same way you brought me home, bring them home. says, oh God, my God, deliver me fully from every sin, even the sin that, that blood guilt, that brought blood guilt, then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. And I want to end right there. We're about to close. One more verse. You see that David expresses, you know, his guilt and his shame. He feels terrible. But you have to understand that even in brokenness, that vulnerability, that humble power of vulnerability before God allowed him to get back up again. And even, even after that, David still remained a man after God's own heart. This is the last thing I want to close on. And I know this, this is a big point of vulnerability. That sometimes being vulnerable, yes, is opening yourself before God, saying, God, this is who I am, and I know you're big enough to forgive me, and I know you're good enough to change me and, 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 and make me new. But I realize another thing in vulnerability, the biggest thing in vulnerability is trying again. 
Who knows that a huge way to be vulnerable is to try again. And that's scary, right? I know for me that was scary. To try again. But God, I failed there. I know. Try again. But God, I messed up there. I know. Try again. And I know in this part of this sermon, I was like, you can't talk about vulnerability without you yourself being vulnerable. And so for us, for, for a lot of people in this church, like Pioneer Church is, was birthed out of vulnerability. Um, my wife and I, we had been to churches and, you know, we were in leadership in churches and um, we were called to this church to be the young adult directors and we were happy and we were like, yes, this is what we feel called to, like, amen. And then three months in, they were like, we've got nothing for you. We, we don't need you guys. Oh, but God, I know you called us here. Oh. See, and vulnerability for you may not be ministry. For some of you guys, it may be having children. For some of you guys, it may be getting back out into that dating scene with a new perspective. For some of you guys, it's starting that little entrepreneur spirit that you had and starting again and trying again and saying, God, I'm going to try again, but I need you. If you call me to this, I need you. Because it's scary, right? It's scary to start something and then fail and fall flat on your face and be embarrassed and everyone knows that you failed. It's scary to go back to that place where you're like, God, I tried this already. God, I did this already. And, I, and there's egg on my face and I, I feel and I look stupid. And God is going, try again. But God, try again. God, I'm scared. He gets that. He gets it. In Luke 22, what I love is, is that God is talking to Peter, and he's sitting at the table. And it says, a dispute arose among them as to which of them who would be considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest, and the one who rules is like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who's at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who's at the table. Is it not the one who's at the table? But I'm among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you the kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. So that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And then you'll say you won't know me. What I love about that is that Jesus knew Peter before Peter knew himself. See, in Mark, it says that, that Jesus says, hey, you guys will betray me. And Peter goes, listen, God, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not like these 11 other chumps. I will never betray you. I will never deny you. He goes, Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to really sift your faith like wheat. But it, I love, I love that. I love that because on the day that Jesus rose out of the grave, dude, does anyone remember what they told the ladies? Hey, go tell the disciples and Peter. But I can see Peter, but I denied him. I even cursed his name and the rooster crows. I could never go back to being a disciple. I could never go back to being faithful. I could never go back to planting a church. I could never go back to that school. I could never go back to that job. I can't start this career again. I already failed the first time. I can't have kids. We already tried five times. I can't do this. And Jesus is saying, try again because death cannot hold me. Try again. If I can call Peter back who denied me, try again. Have faith in me. He says right there, he says that the thing is, see, the enemy wants to come and sift your faith like wheat. So what happening is, is in sifting is that they would grab the wheat and they would shake up the grains until the grains would fall out. See, the enemy comes because he wants to shake your faith to see will he fall out. But I want to tell you today that there's a power in you from the most Holy Spirit and he's not going to let you fail and he's giving you this spirit to fight again and you need to stand up and fight because today is the day of salvation. Today is where you get your fight song, right? This Today is the day where you look at that mountain and you say, oh, you're only a hill. Oh, you look at this barren field and you say, guess what? There's potential here. And you start looking at things that are dead in your life. Like, God, this was dead before, but I'm going to try again because you who are in me is greater than you who are against me. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, this will not be barren. Try again. Being vulnerable is to try again. Being vulnerable is to be faithful again. Being vulnerable is to love again. God, I tried loving my enemy and they slandered me even worse. And Jesus goes, try again. God, I... I, I can't do this. I, I'm tired of going to this church. They talked bad about me. Try again. Try another church. Try again. Don't give up. And then I look at the life of Paul. Saul. Saul was a guy who persecuted Christians and even called for their death. Called for their death. And then Jesus came and changed his life. He tried again. The humble power of vulnerability will allow you to try again without fear. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be awkward. But you're giving it to God and say, God, I'm being vulnerable right now. You know I've tried this business thing time and time again. You know I've tried this relationship time and time again. You know I've, I've been trying to have children time and time again. You know I've been trying to get in my career path time and time and time again. God, if you say, try again, I will. You got to throw your net on the other side. Throw your net where Jesus tells you to throw your net. Out of vulnerability will come your greatest comeback. Out of vulnerability will come your fight song. 
Out of vulnerability will come your power. Out of vulnerability will come the Holy Spirit because even your prayers start to sound different, right? Your prayers are not like, God, keep me from this. God, keep me from that. It's like, Holy Spirit, do in me what you've called for me to do. And God, if, if Holy Spirit, if it's to take down this mountain, I'm going to take down this mountain. God, if it's to speak to my boss with boldly yet humbly, I'm going to speak to my boss. If it's to share the gospel with someone I'm scared to share the gospel with, if it's to pray for someone in the middle of a store, on a sidewalk, in a street, I'm going to pray for them because I'm just going to be vulnerable because, Lord, I know, Holy Spirit, when, you, when I'm vulnerable, you move through me, Holy Spirit, and guess what? I will not fail. And your words are going to come back greater than what I've, what I've planted. Yeah. Try again. Today's the day to try again. When you go home, start making that plan. Start planning, because when you start moving, God is like, oh, yeah? You're going to trust all that in me? Ooh, that's a big, audacious goal. That's a big one. Good thing I'm bigger than that. again. You guys received that today? Amen. Let's stand up. I'm not going to assume that everyone in this room knows Christ because that would, that would be wrong of me. So if you're not, if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, uh, I want to be vulnerable, vulnerable with God because I couldn't be vulnerable with my earthly father, and I want to be vulnerable with my heavenly father. And what does that mean? And I'm going to tell you what that means. It, if you don't have Him in your heart, if you haven't accepted everything and turned away from your own sin, that means saying, I don't want who I am anymore. I know I was autographed and I was designed to be a part of this, but I want to let go of my sin and I want God to change my life. I no longer want to be known by my sin I want to be known by God I'm going to pray for you guys we're going to pray but then I also want to pray for the Christians in this room who haven't been able to be vulnerable with God and God has been calling you to try again God has been calling you to start again God has been calling you to be vulnerable before him because he knows in that will come your greatest comeback will come your greatest success story is that if you just tried again